Before we start this week's show, I have a little reminder for you. As you may already know, the Brazilian Report is funded by subscriptions and support from loyal readers. Besides subscribing to our website and getting exclusive daily content on Brazil and Latin America, you can also treat our staff to one to five cups of coffee a month. And in return, you get exclusive benefits, such as special newsletters, behind-the-scenes content, as well as a shout-out here on our podcast. And today I want to thank our Buy Me A Coffee members, Michael Fryer, Jim Awofadeju, David Dixon, Felipe Saito, José Rosi Stankovic, Gabriela Graf Innes, Emerging Market Muser, Yarden Iftar, Tonica Thompson, Anderson da Silva, Kat Kramer, Fra, Peter Suffering, Anna Lund, and someone who chose to remain anonymous. If you are like them and believe in the importance of independent journalism, and if you want to hear your name on our podcast, just head over to buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report and subscribe to one of the membership tiers. If you cannot make a monthly commitment, you can still tip us a cup of coffee every now and then to give us the energy boost we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a region as complex as Latin America. And we appreciate any support you can give us. Click on buymeacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report to find out more. After the nail-biting results of the first round of Brazil's presidential election, the campaign for the runoff stage started off pretty weirdly. Besides the classic race for endorsements, in order to get that extra push for the win, candidates have engaged in a holy war of sorts. Perhaps unlike any other presidential campaign in Brazilian history, religion has taken a center stage in the 2022 race. On social media, Lula was associated with an alleged Satanist who predicted the center-left politician would win in the first round. Content accusing Lula of sealing a pact with the devil also flooded conservative social media groups and networks. And it may seem ludicrous, but the Workers' Party saw it necessary to publish a statement saying, quote, Lula believes in God and is a Christian, end quote, and that, quote, Lula has no pact nor has ever spoken with the devil, end quote. Eu não teria chegado onde cheguei se não fosse a mão de Deus dirigindo meus passos e criando meu comportamento. From the other side, the attack centered around a years-old video of Jair Bolsonaro at a Freemasons meeting. Freemasonry is often associated with Satanism by several evangelical churches, and Catholics are banned from joining the Freemasons since the 18th century, a restriction reaffirmed by former Pope Benedict XVI in 2013. Congressman André Janones, who supports Lula and has engaged in the same social media guerrilla warfare that the Bolsonaro camp has mastered, published a live broadcast in front of an evangelical temple suggesting that Bolsonaro's presence at the Freemasons meeting could mean that he is linked to, quote, satanic rituals. Bolsonaro parece que com alguns rituais satânicos envolvido com uma seita e etc. Later last week, 
The Lula campaign aired ads associating Bolsonaro with cannibalism. The ad features a 2016 video of an interview the now president gave to the New York Times, saying that he wanted to see the cannibalistic ritual of an indigenous group, even if that meant partaking in the meal too. Cozinha por dois, três dias e come com banana. E não queria ver o índice sendo cozinhado. Daí o cara, se for, tem que comer. Eu falei, eu como. Eu comeria o índice sem problema nenhum. É cultura deles. E eu me submeti àquilo. Bolsonaro admits he would eat human flesh said the Lula campaign in an ad now banned by electoral courts for heavily decontextualizing what was said. Now, we are less than three weeks from election day, and Brazil does not have a shortage of urgent issues to deal with. Still, it seems that we are more worried about candidates' Christianity rather than their proposals. And social media has taken that problem to a whole new level. This week, we welcome David Nemmer, a professor at the University of Virginia's Media Studies Department and a faculty associate at Harvard University's Berkman Klein Center and Princeton University's Brazil Lab. He's also a member of the Washington Brazil Lab. David, welcome back. Uh, thanks for being here with us again. How did this rumor start? Which social media platforms are involved? And... How do they get so much traction? These campaigns, they were all orchestrated and organized because these are concerns that really touch on the foundational um, beliefs of Bolsonarismo. Um, things that touch on Christ Christianity, um, things that touch on their faith. And for those who oppose Bolsonaro and have tried to convince people to ditch Bolsonaro and vote for Lula, have realized that nothing factual, nothing uh, from our own reality could convince them. And the only way to try to convince them to switch votes would be to convince them emotionally or through their faith. This is why we've seen so many posts lately related to Satanism, um, the Masons, things that the evangelical churches completely dismisses and don't want their uh, members involved. This has what we call the trickle-down effect, where um, influencers, people with a large audience and a large follower, uh, following bases have on Twitter, for example. That's where it starts. And then they count on their audience to amplify that sort of, uh, you know, misinformation or campaign. It's important to mention, Gustavo, that with this, with these latest campaigns on try to tie Bolsonaro with Satanism and the Masons, the interesting thing is that it's not really fake news what they are trying to do. What happened was that they bring a factual event, for example, when Bolsonaro went to visit the Masons, for example, that was not fake news. And based on that, they try to cast doubt on people who follow Bolsonaro. So by bringing an image of Bolsonaro um, with the Masons, they start questioning on purpose, obviously, and say, uh, is Bolsonaro really a Mason? Is Bolsonaro really 
going to promote uh, the Masons uh, in their government? Are they going to ditch the the evangelicals in his second term? So, but David, sorry to interrupt you, but it was more than just that, wasn't it? Because people were sharing a doctored image of Bolsonaro in that Freemasonry meeting with a fake picture of Baphomet, a deity incorporated into various occult and esoteric traditions, as if were a moment in which Bolsonaro was worshipping the devil. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I was just talking about the origins of this orchestration. So this is how it started. But of course, once it hit, you know, Twitter, then uh, all hell can break loose, right? There's no control of what other people would do with that, especially because it was something that um, the Bolsonarist base really was hit hard and reacted to that. For example, I monitor 122 Bolsonaro groups on Telegram. And just on that day, I believe it was uh, October 4th, uh, the number of times that the term Mason uh, was mentioned in those groups went up to 645 times, whereas before it was mentioned between one to two twice, you know, not, not that many. So you can really, this really shows that this was something that they care, that they don't want to be associated with. But yeah, but like I said, it starts it starts with casting uh, doubt. But then once you give it to the internet, as we say, then you lose control. Then people start going all in by creating all kinds of correlations, and you know this is on purpose. Um, sensational social media posts that arouse that sort of fear, because this is what um, this kind of post would create with with folks who follow Bolsonaro. They tend to go viral more easily compared to posts, for example, that are essentially informational. So this type of content tends to engage, to uh, invite people to engage more. And of course, the more engagements like likes, shares, comments, the more the algorithm prioritizes, you know, this content. Right. And why is that? Is it because people react more vehemently and engage more with content that elicits negative emotions on them. Yes, yes, because it, it, um, that's of, of the human nature that we tend to engage with this uh, content more quickly and often than something that is pure informational. Um, it can come from, for example, try to protect ourselves. Thus, we want to create this sort of awareness. Um, I'm, I'm not a cognitive psychologist, but it is in the studies of how things go viral that Things that promote that sort of um, um, commotion, either positive or negative, things will, will be more likely to go viral. But of course, the negative commotion will be uh, will go will tend to go m- more viral than the positive one. Right. But I want to ask you about the media's role in all this as well. Because media monitoring company Niswip ran a study for us measuring the number of press articles about Lula and the devil and also about Bolsonaro and Freemasonry. And there were plenty of articles about both those topics. And even outlets trying to debunk the false information Aren't they actually making the problem worse by broadening the reach of these allegations? I mean, that is true. Uh, 
by even reporting that something is fake news, they, you know, they are at the risk of amplifying that misinformation, for example, even though they're trying to debunk that. Um, but that has been what the media has been doing since, you know, Bolsonaro was a thing. Uh, unfortunately, fact checkers have had to publicize the most outrageous uh, fact checking and, and misinformation. And that certainly, you know, made that misinformation um, go broaden a little bit more. Uh, of course, there are things that the media should um, ignore because it, it doesn't bring any sort of danger or risk to the society. But also we're here in a very uh, business, in a very active business model. This is something that, you know, the media also wants to monetize on. They also want those clicks. They want, they also want people to read, you know, the outrageous things that are happening on Twitter. So yes, there is an ethical responsibility there, but there's also a business model that they also want to monetize. So I'm not surprised that, you know, the, the media is also playing along, not by promoting misinformation, but also by creating this um, a curiosity on people to go see what kind of misinformation they are debunking. Now, why are we even talking about Satanism, cannibalism, Freemasonry? This is one of the world's biggest democracies, about to choose between two very different candidates with very different views about Brazil and where they want to take the country in the future. What's the benefit for either side to engage in this sort of wild accusations? Yes. Um, so again, this whole conversation about Satanism, the Freemasons, they have to do with what will impact people the most. You know, like I said, Bolsonaro had a, 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 a terrible government. You know, he he was a terrible president during the during COVID. He basically denied access to vaccines to the people and all these things. And he's involved in all kinds of corruption schemes right now. It's coming to surface. And you would think that a, a, a reasonable citizen would read that and not vote for him. But yet he does have a, a, a very large support base. And because, again, the factual uh, reasoning is not hitting people, then people are going through trying to hit them through their emotions, through their faith. This is why now they found clips of Bolsonaro saying that he uh, ate an indigenous body in the Amazon, right? Uh, a clip of Bolsonaro uh, with the Freemasons. You know, it was, uh, I don't know if this was a coincidence, but it's something that they found and they want to capitalize on these things. Um, what are the gains from this? That's a good question. So the, the intentions of promoting campaigns like this is to convince people to switch their votes, either going from Bolsonaro to Lula or to Lula to Bolsonaro. The matter of the fact is this is not efficient, um, especially when the polls are showing that 77% of the people are very well decided on who to vote on the second round of votes. So this is not going to uh, change people's mind. What would change, though, is that by creating this, uh, you know, war zone on social media and sometimes even in, in offline environments is that it will occupy those spaces. It will uh, dictate what people will be debating and engaging. Look at us right now. We're just talking about these things that we never thought we would be engaging with. Um, 
But at the same time, this will convince people. This has a better chance of convincing people to go out and vote rather than switching votes. And this is what, for example, uh, folks on the left really want people to do to go out and vote. Since uh, the absentees from the first round was quite high, so they want to convince people who'd stayed home or travel to go out and vote. So this is the only gain I can see from having such outrageous campaigns out, you know, related to these things. I don't think it's going to um, switch votes at all. Now, would you say this kind of discourse would have gained the same level of traction in previous decades? Is it inescapable due to the dynamics of, of social media? Or is there something special about this year's election? Well, this is a, a very special election, right? So it would be hard to say that what we're seeing today, we would easily see even in 2018, even though 2018, we were um, uh, almost drowning in, in misinformation. The misinformation there was not as intense as what we're seeing um, this time. So I think it's very unique to this time as well. In 2018, this disinformation trend was pretty much one-sided, like that ridiculous claim that the left was distributing penis-shaped baby bottles in public daycare centers. But we are now seeing this coming from both sides. You mentioned that campaigns are appealing to people's emotions. I mean, is there a calculation that this is now in a, the effective strategy to use that you have to get down in the gutter with Bolsonaro? Yeah, uh, it seems like they're fighting fire with fire. You know, again, the effectiveness of this is hard to measure. You know, the only way to, to measure this is if, you know, you go out on the streets or you talk to people and say, hey, do you, did you watch one of those videos from Andre Janones? The person will say yes or no, and then they will answer if they convince them to change their votes. It's, it's really hard to measure the effect of, of these campaigns coming from the left. Um, the same way that it's also very hard to measure those campaigns coming from, from the right. Uh, we will see in the second, in the run, runoff on the 30th. But again, I find it really hard to believe that these would switch votes. But I truly believe that this would get people fired up engage in social media, occupy these spaces with their own uh, tones, but also uh, get them motivated to go out and vote. I think that's the only gain I can see from these campaigns. So what do you think? Is the left on a bit of a hiding to nothing by engaging in this kind of salacious gossiping? I mean, is that the case that it is only perpetuating this cycle of quote-unquote campaigning? Or are these the new rules of engagement? Yeah, well, uh, it's important to mention that the left is mostly reacting to a strategy that has been imposed by, you know, the right for so long. And it's only been happening in this past couple of days. Again, if this is a strategy that's going to stay, I hope not, because this is really messing up with people's um, mental health. But it, it's hard to know. Um, you know, Bolsonaro really changed the, the rules of the games in political campaigns. Um, just now, the left is catching up on that uh, um, fire with fire kind of approach. But, and I, but I hope it doesn't stay. Um, I just hope it doesn't stay because it's not good for the, for the electoral 
um, you know, to, to the population. We're not talking about strategies. We're not talking about uh, what the government, you know, their future government would actually do to Brazil. Brazil is in a unprecedented crisis. So I don't think it's good. And it, but it's really hard to know if this is going to stay. Again, um, this is something that Bolsonaro and his campaign team have been doing for, for so long. Uh, we don't know if this is also going to be adopted by other uh, political parties on the right or, you know, if other political parties on the left will also use this since the beginning. We just don't know. I just hope it doesn't. After 2018, we saw Brazil's electoral courts essentially admitting that they were not prepared to deal with social media disinformation. Have we seen any improvement this time around? Uh, and by the way, how can you f even fight this information? Because even if you react fast, once something is up, then you lose ownership of any piece of content, right? You cannot control if people are sharing it on Telegram, WhatsApp, or whatever. Can the electoral courts win this battle at all? Well, not by themselves, no. There isn't a single silver bullet to solve this problem. It's a problem that involves, you know, the courts, the social media platforms, the campaign managers, you know, it, it, the civil society. We can't just expect the courts to, to rule over this whole thing and expect it to end. The Electoral Sup uh, Supreme Court in Brazil, they've done a way better job this time than before. They are more active and more proactive in requesting, for example, content to be removed. Uh, um, they've been very proactive with information about the electronic voting machines, right, to the point that we were expecting the um, you know, folks who go a little more, let's say, crazy about the voting machine since, you know, this was the tactics the, that Bolsonaro's teams was, uh, was trying to target, but we didn't see that as much. We did see that, for example, I did see this in Telegram groups that I monitor, but it didn't surface to the public debate. This all has to do because of the TSC or the Electoral Supreme Court worked tirelessly to be proactive about the, the news about the, um, you know, in how the voting machines work. For example, they also changed in how the votes would start being casting, right? It was right uh, at 5 p.m., if I'm not mistaken, they didn't wait for the, the last state because of the um, time zone to end their voting, which was Acre. They started right away so that... Yeah, they forced other time zones to adapt themselves to the Brasilia time zone so every poll station would close the same time. Anxiety and, you know, conspiracy theories about why it's taking forever... They try to do this. For example, um, the TSC has an app that you can uh, follow the, the counting of the votes. And, of course, we have the whole country looking at this. Bandwidth, you know, the bandwidth required for that is, is, has to be quite large. And then sometimes the app wouldn't up, update itself as quick as people would think and would hope. And then on, on Twitter accounts that follow Bolsonaro, that join Bolsonaro in his um, madness, start trying to create, um, you know, conspiracy theories that the app was down, something is up with the vote, with the, with the votes. So, you know, 
the 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 speed that they ca- they kind of develop ha- also has to do with a way of um, containing the misinformation and conspiracy and the conspiracy theories. So they're doing all they can. Again, uh, the thing with the electoral court is that they have um, they have to wait for the fact to be consumed to materialize. You know, they can't uh, issue a, a a a court order for something that didn't happen. So it's something that they can't do, but it's certainly something that. For example, the social media platforms can do, you know, by deplatforming those who are known to promote disinformation. Um, so again, there's no silver bullet; it has to go from several fronts. I mean, for instance, the courts banned a Workers' Party campaign ad that used the Bolsonaro cannibalism video, but by the time it had made it to their official campaign material. Everyone had seen it and everyone had been talking about it. Can you control that in any way, shape or form? Is the fight against misinformation just fixing the barn door after the horses have bolted? (laughs) Well, again, it should be on the campaign managers, you know, it should be on those who are orchestrating these uh, campaigns. I'm not of a punitivist person, but if if that's the the way to do it, then I guess that's how they should go about it. But you know, and the reason why these people react to these you know Bolsonaro's campaign to you know to fight fire with fire was because that was allowed for you know five years now. So they said, well, if nothing is being done to contain those who promote this kind of misinformation, this kind of campaigns, so I'm going to find my own way. So this is why we're seeing this fire with fire. Um, And again, um, I was just talking to a friend about the differences between what we're seeing on the left and on the right. It's important not to say that they're the same. No, because the misinformation and campaigns that come from Bolsonaro and, and his team and his followers are completely outrageous. They make things up that are just unbelievable. They're not tied to any um, factual event, nothing. They can create misinformation from nothing. However, those that we're seeing right now from, like you mentioned, the Masons, the cannibalism, um, the Satanism, of course, I'm not trying to say that it's right, but I'm saying is it starts from a factual event and then they know it's going to blow up. So it's a different uh, strategy here. I'm not saying that one is better than the other. One is less evil than the other. I'm just trying to make sure that people understand that they are based on different strategies. They do go on onto this uh, guerrilla, uh, guerrilla, right? The uh, guerrilla um, strategies on social media. But they come from different um, bases. One tries to bring a factual event. The other one just creates things out of their heads. But anchoring the piece of misinformation on a factual event makes it even harder for it to be debunked, doesn't it? I think so. I think so, because you can always use that initial factual event to justify what is happening, you know? Um, so I think it, it's a little harder and I think this is why it's been impacting Bolsonaro's basis so much. Just to make sure again, Gustavo, I want to make sure that I'm not in favor of these things. And I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm just saying that they come from different um, strategies. 
But yes, they, they both shake things up on these social media platforms. Right, David. So before I let you go, let me test your optimism here. Where do you see Brazilian election campaigns going in the future? Is there any way to buck this trend or is Baphomet going to end up being the perennial kingmaker in Brazil? <laughs> Now, we need to, uh, I think, again, w w with what is happening right now on the left, uh, it's a reaction, right? We didn't even see that sort of strategy in the first round, in the campaign during the first round of votes. So hopefully this is something that will stop here. We, we truly need to think and rethink about um, campaigns, especially on online platforms. Um, of course, we have a government right now that loves these kind of, of, of engagements on social media. So, of course, these conversations were not going to come from the government. So I hope, and again, as you mentioned, you're going to test my optimism and be very optimistic here. Hopefully, Bolsonaro will lose and we'll get somebody there, which would be Lula, that would be able to engage in these conversations about how do we have a healthier and more engaging ways of doing, um, doing the campaigns. Also, it's important to, to mention that Bolsonaro put himself at war with the courts in Brazil. So that bridge for even have a conversation like this was burned down. Bolsonaro was not willing to have any kind of conversations that could compromise his original um, ideas for campaigns. So I truly hope that Lula, um, if he wins, he will create these bridges with the courts, because this is something that the courts will have to do as well. Uh, and think of strategies to promote a more engaging, more, uh, like I said, healthier ways of doing political campaigns. Because what we're facing right now It's not, it's not right. You know, the polls are showing that people just cannot wait for this to be over. Um, I can't remember the name, the, the number exactly, but it's, it's a, 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 a pretty high number. So hopefully with this social exhaustion that we're facing, this will also be a call for the government to engage in these conversations and promote ways of, of forcing people to do a more healthy um, campaigns. David, thank you so much for talking to us again. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Gustavo. Hopefully next time we talk, we'll have uh, more <laughs> factual things to discuss, not about Satanism and Freemasons. Yeah, right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. David Niemer is a professor at the University of Virginia's Media Studies Department and a faculty associate at Harvard University's Berkman Klein Center and Princeton University's Brazil Lab. He's also a member of the Washington Brazil Lab, and he's the author of Technology of the Oppressed, Inequity and the Digital Mundane in Favelas of Brazil. If you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second, and it will certainly help us reach a broader audience. Or better yet, sign up for the Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We have a subscription-based business model, and your subscriptions is what fuel our journalism and keep us going and growing. Thanks to our subscribers, we have been able to cover Brazil and Latin America extensively, and for our work, we have been shortlisted for two entries in the Online Journalism Awards 
one of the biggest awards for online journalism. It is decided by ONA, the Online News Association. In order to keep that work going, we need your subscription. Please go to brazilian.report slash subscribe. I'm Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. Explaining Brazil will be back next week. 